I'm going to teach here for a little bit, and then this place is going to explode in the power of God. I know that because he let me know it. Last week, we exposed the Jezebel spirit. And uh, if you noticed, we didn't put that out in the airwaves. That was a family message. So if you would like to receive that and you weren't here last week, just let us know and we'll get that to you. We just There's some things that I want to be able to free to say that isn't for everybody out in the Ethernet. But today I come with an assignment I wrote like a mug this week. I think I've narrowed about 20 pages of notes down to three, so hang on. But I believe there is a spirit that hovers over this region that we need to expose and identify and have victory over. Um, I say that not lightly. I can't remember. the. I think it may have been Pastor Suber or maybe Pastor Brassfield. I'm not sure. But they were flying in, and they said that they sensed as they came into the Now, they're in the plane, in an atmosphere into this area that they recognized that because every region has a spirit about it, that the spirit of this region was a religious spirit. And so if that is the case, then it is up to us to expose it and overcome it. And I want to do that today. I want to expose the religious spirit. What is a religious spirit? Because there's a lot of people that are out there that don't take it from the Word of God. They just kind of share what they believe or think it is. And uh, we want to identify that with Scripture today. So I'm going to do quite a bit of teaching. But I'm going to read from Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. I also believe this. Most of our fighting or struggle is with this spirit. And I'm going to give you the tools at the end of this to be overcomers of this spirit. Galatians chapter 5 verse 1, Stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. You have to remember who he's writing. He's writing to a church. He's writing to born again believers. He's writing to the saints of Galatia. And he says, stand in the liberty and don't get entangled again. There is a possibility or an opportunity for you to get entangled with other things beside the freedom and the liberty that Jesus gives us. So behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if you be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. Now that is a statement because there was an argument between the Gentiles and the Jews and the Jews were trying to tell the Gentiles that circumcision was necessary for their salvation because circumcision was a covenant that was lined out with God in the Old Testament for the Jew. And so he's saying whether you're circumcised or not, it's not going to profit you anything. Verse 3, for I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. 
Christ is become of no effect unto you. That's the spirit of religion. Christ is removed. Yes, you still all the do's and don'ts are still there, but Christ has been removed and is no longer effective in your life. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. For we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Then notice verse 7. You did run well. Galatians, you were running good. You were doing everything that you were supposed to do. Who hindered you that you should not obey the truth? This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. There is a persuasion in this interesting dichotomy of circumcision versus uncircumcision that did not come from Jesus. And then he says, a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. I have confidence in you through the Lord that you will be none otherwise minded. Stop thinking about those things but he that troubleth you shall bear his judgment, whosoever he, he be. So I want to unmask or expose the religious spirit today. So I'm going to give you some points, and I'm just going to kind of teach a little bit, and then at the end of this, we're going to take and step into an anointing that God has ready for us. So I've even had Elena give me all my points on the screen so you can follow along. All you note takers, you can scribble furiously if you have to. But you'll have to keep up with me. I'm not stopping, so. Point number one. The religious spirit gets us to focus on the evil of life, knowing that we become what we behold. I, I want you to read that again and let it sink in a little bit. If God's primary command, here is the two great commandments, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and the second is like, namely this, love your neighbor as yourself. If those are the two primary commands, then Satan and his enemies' forces, their most deceptive and deadly attack is meant to divert us from those two commandments. And in order to divert us, he gets us to focus on the evils of life. How many know that there's evil all around us? Read a newspaper. It's the reason why 99% of news broadcasts are not positive. Because the spirit of a religious nature has spoken into the area and society around us to get us to focus. I want you to just think about the last couple of years. People have been focused on covid People have been now are focused on gas prices, a war, the politics of, uh, of all kinds of things, the school board stuff and the parents' rights stuff. You see what it's all just kind of trying to make us all busy with the things of life because it gets us off the mind of what we behold. The scripture is this, 2 Corinthians 3 and verse number 18. I find this interesting. Let me read verse 17, and then we'll catch 18. Now, the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. We love that scripture, but the very next one says this. 
but we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory even as by the Spirit of the Lord. What are you beholding today? What are you looking at today? What are you focused on today? Because that's what you're going to become. And a religious spirit will tell you, you can go to church on Sundays, you can go to Chain Breakers on Wednesdays, you can come to Grace College on Friday, you can come to ladies' meeting on Saturday, you can come to men's meeting on on Friday and Saturday, the man, and, and you can still not become more like him because your eyes have been diverted to all the stuff around you. I want you to, I don't want hands raised, but I want to ask you a question. How many, and you can answer it to yourself, how many of you came to church today and you were dealing with a situation that seemed to be heavy? It's a tool to get you diverted from what you're looking at. It's the reason why the Lord said in 1 Thessalonians, in everything give thanks unto God, for this is the will of you see, what you, you become, what you behold. So the first thing that exposes a religious spirit is it gets you out of focus. Point number two, a religious spirit is one that seeks to substitute religious activity for the power of the Holy Ghost. I, I, I've used this terminology several times. You can become too busy for God to be too busy for God. A religious spirit will get you so bound up in the activities of a church or the activities that you think is holy and righteous and godly, and all he's doing is getting you busy in religious stuff and you're missing out who it is that you're actually supposed to have a relationship with. Let me read it to you here in 2 Timothy 3.5. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Listen, let me just back up a little bit in this chapter. Uh, Timothy is being told by Paul that know this, in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of their own selves, covetousness, bolsters, etc., etc., and gets down to verse 5 and says, they have a form of godliness. Beware of people who only have the form of godliness, but don't trust the power of the Holy Ghost. Or Because when they don't trust the power of the Holy Ghost, they're really denying the power of the Holy Ghost. And there is a movement today. You can go to all kinds of gatherings of different people, and they know how to clap, and they know how to put a production on, and they know how to sing the songs the right speed and the right tempo and on key, and they know when to clap their hands and when to raise their hands and when to say hallelujah, but it's all just a form of godliness. There is no movement of the Spirit of God. Oh, my, my, my heart 
cries. And, and Spirit of Grace Church, it's not about how good Brian plays or how good the singers sing or how we clap and worship. It's what happens when the presence of God begins to move into the house. Are we hungry and thirsty, not for just another service, but to have an encounter with him? The Spirit can I tell you what this spirit is, this substitute? Now, I'm not a baker. But how many have ever read in the Bible about leaven? Can I tell you that there was a reason why God told the Israelites to eat unleavened bread? Because leaven is useless. Leaven does not add any substance to the bread. It does not add any nutritional value to the bread. The only thing that the leaven does to bread is to puff it up. The only thing that leaven does is to inflate it. And we read in the chapter of Galatians of chapter 5, a little leaveneth, leaveneth the whole lump. You get just a little bit of that substitute. You get just a little bit of that non-nutrient stuff into your life, and it will inflate you and make you think you're doing better than what you really are. And when you get better than you think you really are, you start diverting your focus, and the religious spirit has a hold of you. Now, don't worry. Don't get all doom and gloom on me. We're going to win here after the, we expose it. But you have to understand what you're actually fighting. <laughs> so we get into the spirit, and we add all kinds of things to think that it's building us up when all it's really doing is puffing us up. And you want to know what happens when you get puffed up? Somebody comes along with a pin and just goes, and you flatten out. I, this spirit drives me crazy. Number three, point number three. The religious spirit keeps us from hearing God by encouraging us to assume that we already know God's opinion. Gets us to assume that we already know what he's saying or what pleases him. And it's often found in a zeal for God. Romans chapter 10, Paul was dealing with this in Sunday school a little bit. Paul, or when he was Saul, had a religious spirit on him. He went around persecuting the church, thinking that he was doing something religious because they weren't doing it the way that he was taught. It wasn't happening the way that he saw it happening. And so he went around and he persecuted and he jailed and he murdered different people in the name of righteous living or in the name, if you will, of religion. But God got a hold of him. Notice in chapter 10, verse 1, it says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer for God of Israel is that they might be saved. Verse number 2, for I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. 
That word knowledge has to do with discernment. They're so busy and on fire, and I got to do this, and I got to do this, and I got to do this, and and God forbid you get in my way because I'm doing what God wants me to do. I haven't prayed a lick. I haven't studied a lick. I haven't sought him. I haven't worshipped him, but I'm going to do what God said to do. Have you been around any? Have I've been that way before. It's the spirit of a religious nature. And that religious spirit can lock us up from accomplishing what God has called us to. Point number four. Religious spirits base relationship to God on personal discipline and personal deliverance rather than the power of the sacrifice of the cross. They emphasize their cross more than his cross. I've got to tell somebody and warn somebody, don't fall for the person that is always talking about how hard they've had it, how much they fought, how they've had to go uphill both ways to get to God, how everything is coming against them. They're worried more about their cross than his cross. First Samuel chapter 2. See, I, I want this to be based on Scripture. This isn't just my philosophy. Verse chapter 2, verse number 17. Get to the right book, Tim. 2 Samuel chapter 2, verse 17. Neither one of those are right. Wherefore the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord, for men abhorred the offering of the Lord. I I want you to notice this. They were too busy, worried about the type of sacrifice, than they were about the object of their sacrifice. You have to understand this. I've been around people that have come and, oh, Pastor, I gave this up. I gave up drugs. I gave up cigarettes. I gave up booze. I gave up. I, I gave up depression. I gave up hate. I gave up. I, 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 and I want to look at him and say, "No, you didn't," because you're still talking about it. It's still at the front of your court vortex of thinking, and and you're beholding this, and you're realizing, I did this, and I did this, and I did this. You didn't do yet anything yet. But when you get a hold of Jesus, that gets wiped out, and now you can say, it doesn't worry about any of that stuff. You can say, I've been chosen. I've been pursued. I've been loved. I've been changed. I've been transformed. I've been restored. I'm somebody different. See what happens when you start focusing on his cross instead of your cross? But the spirit of religion gets us to think about us and not him. Number five, I'm going actually fairly quick. Proud of myself. We ain't done yet. Religious spirits are idealistic. You're either 100% wrong or you're 100% right. 
Here's what I mean by that. The spirit of religion will try to impose on someone else a requirement beyond what God has given or grace has been given for that particular moment of time. Let me just say this. There are some things that God imposes, but he doesn't impose it until that person becomes mature in him. But the spirit of religion will say you've got to do thus and so even though they have no clue what thus and so is. And if they don't do it, they're not right in standing with God. Because a spirit of religion doesn't allow for personal growth. You're either 100% right or you're 100% wrong. Hey, well, let me just take it into a different verbiage. I'm so tired of answering this question, it just makes me puke. I'm serious. I have just gotten tired of some things. I, maybe I'm getting old. Maybe my filter's already starting to go and I'm only 51. But let me just tell you this. The next person that says, well, pastor, what happens if somebody's on their deathbed and, and, and they repent? Is that all they have to do? I don't know. Their relationship is their relationship. When does God accept somebody's heart? I don't know. All I know is this. Somebody on their deathbed that professes Jesus Christ as at that starting point. They're not 100% right yet, but they're still in the arms of Jesus. Because you're never going to get to 100% right until you see him as he is when the glory of God shows back up for among us. We're all somewhere in the middle between the right and the wrong. We're on a journey of growth and a procession of growth. And what is good for you may not be good for me. And what is good for me may not be good for you yet. I got to tell you, Jason has been around this thing for a couple of years. God would be foolish to expect from him what he expects from me because I've been around it for 50 years. I've seen it. I've lived it. I've experienced it. He's just starting. Does that make me better than him or him better than me? No. It just puts us on a different path, a different journey, going the same direction. But the spirit of religion will say, he's not as good as me or I'm not as good as him and God doesn't like this. Forget about it. If you have a relationship with God, grow in him. James 3, 2. I'll just trust we put it up here right. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and able also to bridle the whole body. That's when you're perfect. And I don't want to blow your theological bubble today, but none of you are there yet. I'm not there yet. You're not there yet. We're all somewhere in between 100% wrong and 100% right. So don't let that religious spirit tell you it's either or. It's who God says you are. It's who God is to you. It's a relationship that you have. It's not even up to me. I'm your under-shepherd, but I can't dictate your relationship. And the moment I try to dictate what your relationship is, is the moment that the religious spirit overtakes me. I can't tell you where you're at with God. Only you can. 
I can direct you to where to find out. Oh. Number six. This one is huge. Religious spirits use counterfeit discernment. And here's what I mean by counterfeit. Not that it's fake, but the motivation is in the wrong place. Go to Genesis chapter 2, verse number 17. God says to Adam, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest, thereof thou shalt surely die. Let me just tell you, the knowledge of the tree of good and evil is truth, but it's going to kill you. One chapter over, what does Satan do? Lies. He goes to Eve, and he says this to Eve. He says, God only doesn't want you to eat that tree because he knows that when you eat that tree, you'll be like him. You'll know right from wrong. You'll know good and evil. Listen, when you, the reason why it is a death tree is because the law is to lead us to death. The knowledge of good and evil is to lead us to a cross of Calvary. The Bible says it this way, the law is a schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ. Don't let the religious spirit tell you that this is a good thing, that discernment is a good thing all the time. You have to try the spirits and see if they are of God. Don't just let somebody come up and say, I feel like God told me this and this and this for you. Just take that, accept it, and then walk away and study it and pray about it. Don't just assume that they're right because their counterfeit may be coming from something that is true, but it is of death. Partake of all of the other things that God has and let him fill you to the uttermost so that when you are spoken to by God, it's the reason why one of the gifts of the Spirit is a gift of knowledge and faith and word, and it's a gift of discernment. Let him discern, not somebody else. It's based off of the tree that leads to death. It's a religious spirit. I always, I always, always, always get a little nervous when somebody steps into my life and says, God told me that you need to do this. Can I tell you why? I have a relationship with him. And if he wants me to do something or be something, I just have this feeling that he's going to tell me himself. 
And if I'm stubborn enough not to listen to him, he may send somebody that will say something, but I don't swallow it hook, line, and sinker. I go and I, I meditate on it and I pray over it and I go to God and I say, God, this person said this and, and I want to make sure that I'm right. If, did, have I not been hearing what we've been talking? And a lot of times he'll say, yes, you were stubborn, you were stiff-necked, and so I sent such and so to speak to you. But oftentimes he'll look at me and say, no, 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 I wanted you to do this and I want you to be this. We're good. Just ignore that. I know it's quiet, but it's true. This next one is what makes life confusing sometimes. Point number seven. Religious spirits are angels of light. Notice I have that in quotations. They're angels of light. Let me read the passage and then we'll talk about it. 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen to 15. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. Notice that for a second. Go back just a second. They transform themselves. Can I just tell you one thing? I just... See, see, here's... I know. I'm strange. But here's what I'm struggling with. I don't want to talk about people that you may listen to or read or watch and think that you know that, that I'm saying that this is who they are. You have to test the spirits. I can only tell you some red flags that come up in my life. When somebody comes to me and says, I'm prophet so-and-so, red light. Not because of me, but because of that. Who declares you to be a prophet? Who declares you to be an apostle? We have decided to call different people different things, but who has done it? Have they been transformed by themselves into an apostle, or have they been gifted by God to operate in the role of an apostle or a prophet or a pastor or a teacher? Those are not offices. Those are gifts to the church that don't need to be identified. Just as an aside, it's the reason why I introduced myself as Tim. If you're a guest here, I don't come up and say, I'm senior pastor Timothy A. Sanders. Born and raised on the east side of St. Paul. I'm Tim. You're getting what I am. I identify as the senior pastor of the church just by way of connectivity to the church so that when people come in, they understand a con there's a connect point there. And quite frankly, my gifting isn't pastoring. Our leaders know what that's. We're talking about that in our leadership right now. That's not my strongest gifting. Her strongest gifting is pastoring. Mine is teaching. The second one, I think, is, is an apostle. So that's just an aside. But these people, go on, let's read next, next verse. And no marvel, for Satan himself 
is transformed into an angel of light. Next verse. Therefore, it's no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. Let me tell you why the religious spirit is so easy to become susceptible to. It's because they can transform themselves as angels of light. That phrase, angels of light, really means messengers of the truth. And it comes to a, as a servant of righteousness using truth for the purpose of control and destruction. Listen, I've got a secret for you. The devil knows the scripture better than you. He was there when it was first written. He knows it. In fact, the Bible says he believes in God and trembles. He knows it. They will see only what's wrong with never giving what's right. And so it manipulates through fear and guilt and pride instead of love. I'm going to go on. Number eight. Religious spirits declare we need inner healing, but what they call inner healing is nothing less than digging up the old man trying to get him healed. (laughs) However, the answer to these deep wounds is not a procedure or a formula, but rather simple forgiveness and devotion to Christ. I I, got to tell you, there is nowhere in Scripture where Jesus took four hours to heal somebody or to deliver somebody. He said to the he said to the man of Gadara in Mark chapter 5, who was filled with 2,000 to 12,000 demons, they asked him. He said, okay, go. Woman, you touched me. Your faith made me whole. Jairus, oh, go home. Your daughter's already been healed. There's no procedure. There's no formula. It's just the power in the word of God. The thing that we don't understand is sometimes when God does it, he heals. And sometimes when God does it, he causes us to go into recovery. Is there any sick among you? Let them call for the elders of the church. Let them lay hands on them in the name of the Lord, and they shall recover. Can I tell you what the procedural and and, and the, the formulaic concept of healing really is? Psychiatry and therapy. And let me just go on the record. That is needed. There are some things that we need to deal with in our past, but we need to deal with them, not be delivered from them. I know it's quiet. The spirit of religion tells you this. You've got to go through this process in order to be good. Okay? Man on the cross, remember me. Okay. This day you're going to be in paradise. Man at the beautiful gate in Acts chapter 3, silver and gold have a number, it says, I have given it, rise up and walk. Immediately. 
Okay, He still had to learn how to walk. He hadn't walked in a long time. There was still the process of total recovery. He had to go get a job. He hadn't had a job forever. Are you following what I'm saying? But the spirit of religion will tell you you've got to jump through 15 hoops to get to where you're free. That's not what the Bible says. He whom the Son has set free is free indeed. You see, what happens when these mindsets and these procedures and these formulas of the religious spirit that says you've got to jump through this and this and this and this and this, I'll tell you what it's doing. It's trying to be a substitute for the power of the Holy Ghost. Paul was set free on the road to Damascus. The process came in creating him in his newness. Wasn't getting him there. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Don't misunderstand me. I believe in deliverance. I believe in overcoming. I just don't find it in Scripture where it was a belabored point. In fact, I'll even go a step further. Your flesh is stronger than any demon. The man of Gadara had two to 12,000 demons, and still that man ran to Jesus. You're never going to convince me that he can overpower you. You're never going, you don't even need God to overpower him. You just need to have your flesh stand up and say, I'm tired of it. But thank God you have something called the Holy Ghost, the comforter, the paraclete, the guide, the helper, the, inter, the, the one that can step into your life and empower you to become what God wants you to become. Oh, my. Let me get to point number nine so we can get to the end of this. Religious spirits attempt to get us to dwell and or worship anything or anyone except Jesus. Colossians chapter 2. Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of spirits or angels, intruding into those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed, that's, that, that's uh, leaven, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, and not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands having nourishment ministered and knit together increaseth with the increase of God. Okay. Enough talking about the religious spirit. Let me identify. We're going to kick it in its teeth in a minute. How many of you have ever come face to face with Satan? Any of you? Oh, that's a good answer. You want to know why? Because Satan's not omnipresent. There's 8 billion people in the world. He doesn't have time. And the other thing is, is he is not, uh, he's not omnipresent. He can't be in all places at one time, and he's restricted by time. 
And the reason he's restricted by time is because he's the prince and the power of the, okay, our air around us is restricted by time. So in order for him to confront each and every one of us, we say the devil did this and the devil did that and the devil did this and this and this and this. He ain't done half of what he's Because he can't get everywhere. And let me ask you this. How many of you have faced an evil spirit? Oh, come on. Be more honest than that. Okay. Can I just, I just need to, I mentioned this last week, but I, I need to mention it again. Um, I believe in, in rewarding by merit. That, that, that's my, my standpoint in life. But we give him more credit. And we talk about him more. I, I want to ask you something. Do you know where evil spirits came from? They're fallen angels. Okay, let me ask it to you this way. And, and just respond. Interaction for a second. We're coming into classroom. What's the opposite of up? What's the opposite of in? What's the opposite of good? What's the opposite of God? No. No. There is no opposite of God. God created everything. Evil comes because a dumb angel messed it all up. Uh, you, somebody's got to get a hold of this right now. This is going to be the answer to a lot of your troubles, a lot of your fights, a lot of your situations. There is no opposite of God. He spoke it all into existence. But there was one angel named Lucifer who was a jerk, who was somebody that thought he could become like God, and so he attempted it. But God said, uh-uh. And he flicked him out of heaven and with him went one-third of the angels with him as he was cast out of heaven. You following? Can I also tell you this? Oh, my God. It's getting ready to get good. Thursday night, Grace College this is the precursor to your lesson of chapter 1. When Jesus was born, he was made a little lower than the angels, but he was elevated to be sitting at the right hand of God. Can I just tell you something? When you and I were created and when we were became living creatures. We were made a little bit below the angels. But because we've been born again of water and spirit and we have taken on Jesus, we have taken on his name, his blood has been applied to our lives, we have been elevated above the angels. And Satan is just an angel. There's more power in you and your fingertip than there is in all of hell. For the the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Stop cowering. Stop worrying. Stop. Just begin to worship. Now, I'm not very good at math. But if only one-third of angels... Were kicked out of heaven and became the army of evil in the world. 
how much does that leave for the host of heaven? Anybody? Two-thirds. Twice as big. And it has a commander-in-chief that's above it all. So... The religious spirit gets us to worry about our enemy and focus on our enemy. Listen, I'm just trying to tell somebody it's time to put your foot on the ground. There's an old song, I put my foot on the ground, I put my shoulders in the air, and I said, come on, it's all right, I'm good enough with him. You can't win, you can't win, you can't win, because I am made more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. There is something that is happening and shaking in this region. I believe it wholeheartedly. The spirit of religion is putting up a last gasp effort. But I believe that there is a church of the living God that is getting ready to walk out its anointing, that's getting ready to walk out its calling, and it's going to give a black eye to that kingdom. And I want to be a part of it. So here's the thing. How do we overcome this spirit? It's really easy. Enter into his courts with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. What's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord thy God. with all. Here's how you overcome the religious spirit. Love him more. Praise him more. Worship him more. I would to God that something happened in this, this house that this week, all of a sudden you start walking through your house and through the living room and the kitchen and the bedroom. You start worshiping like you've never worshiped before and just see how quickly any demonic spirit will leave you because he cannot dwell in the same place where godly worship is rising because when godly worship begins to rise, it loosens the two-thirds of heaven and it loosens the hand of God into your life. What happened in Joshua? Walked around some walls. Until what? Until it was time for the walls to come down. They did not pick up their swords. They did not pick up their spears. They did not pick up the bow and arrow. They picked up none of the weaponry of warfare. They picked up the weapon of worship. And as they began to shout, and I don't think it was just one shout. I think the first shout started shaking the walls. 
And when the children of Israel saw the walls begin to shake, I think they probably elevated their worship a little bit more. And when they started seeing some of the walls start coming down, they began to worship and shout a little bit more. Can I just tell you the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are powerful to the pulling down of strongholds? What are those weapons? Those weapons are worship and praise and the word of God, which is a double-edged sword. See, oh, I'm going to look this way. So none of you know that I'm thinking of any of you. But some of you have come here week in and week out. Some of you have been coming here for even years. And you come and you sit in this sanctuary and you fold your hands and you listen to the word and you begin to worship maybe just a little bit. And, and, and maybe you just uh, you tap your toe maybe just a little bit. But somewhere along the line you just have refused to release the true worship in you and you have allowed the spirit of religion to overshadow you that says I can just get through another Sunday and get to lunch. I can just get through another Sunday and make it to Monday because I know Monday's one day closer to Wednesday and Wednesday's one day closer to Thursday if I can just get by. But my friend, I'm here to tell somebody today the way to overcome this religious spirit is simply to lift up your voice and shout unto the Lord with the sound of triumph. Begin to worship him from the bottom of your heart. Begin to worship him. Mm, 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 mm. You know what? I, I, I know that I have the spirit of David on me. Can I tell you why? I've embarrassed her a few times. And David embarrassed Abigail. Because Abigail got stuck up in the room looking out the window. And the spirit of religion takes a hold of her heart. And she begins to criticize David in her heart. And she begins to be getting to embarrassed by David and, and begins to, and, and what's happened is that spirit has locked her in place. What was she watching and what was she getting embarrassed with? I'll tell you what it was. When David had the presence of God come into his, he began to do something that was a little bit strange. As a king especially, he took six steps and every seventh step he took, the Bible says he danced before the Lord. One, two, three, four, five, six. And then he didn't stop, but he hit number seven, and he began to dance before God. Now that word dance in Hebrew isn't like you and I think about dance. It means to twirl. And David did it, and he twirled, and he danced unto God. And then he stopped, and he said, one, two, three, four, five, six. And on the seventh, he began to do it again. And then he began to do it again. And he began to do it again. My friend, you want to break the spirit of religion? Begin to dance before God. Begin to worship him. Begin to worship him and praise him. Ha!
Can I just tell you one last thing? And then we're going to worship. You and I are not designed for spiritual warfare. Over and over and over in Scripture, God says, be still, for the battle is not yours, but mine. Are there times we have to fight? Yes, but it's how we fight. Here's how we fight. We submit to God, and then all we have to do is resist. God, I'm submitted to you. The reason why all we have to do is resist is because he doesn't want to mess with God. So the closer you get to God, the less he gets close to you. That's spiritual warfare. Just get me to Jesus. Just get my hand in his hand. Just get my heart in his heart. Walk after the spirit and not after the flesh. When you walk after the spirit, it makes the devils tremble. They won't mess with you as you seek him. The more you seek him, the more you'll find him. The more you find him, the more you'll love him. But also the more you find him, the less the enemy wants anything to do with you because he's already been defeated by Jesus. And he wasn't defeated by Jesus just at Calvary. He was defeated by Jesus in Luke chapter 4 when he resisted him, when he denied him. He tore into the kingdom of hell just by saying no. Hmm. Oh my. If you're a guest here today, I hope I haven't freed. I know I'm weird. But I'm only weird when I preach. Here's what I believe the Lord said to me before service and then was confirmed by, to me by a saint. They leaned over to me in the worship time and they told me, they said, the Spirit was telling them, that there are some old foundations that were laid inappropriately and the word of God was going to jackhammer them loose. Some of you have been so tangled up with the religious spirit you don't even realize it. And you're, can I tell you that there's something different between spiritism and spirituality? Spiritism is a very real thing. It means you operate or you think you operate in a spirit world. And that's true. But it's a destructive world to live in. I would rather live in a spiritual world where the presence of God operates. So here's what I believe God told me. Paul confirmed it in his message. This person... Uh, gave me the word beforehand and it confirmed it. But I believe that God wants some walls of Jericho to come down. Walls of this religious spirit. Listen, can I tell you that that religious spirit can attach to anybody, no matter how long you've served God. It's all 
about Jesus. So I'm going to ask you to do something really weird. I'm going to ask you to stand. And what I want you to do, we may need to push the chairs in from the wall just a little bit, but I want us to make one big circle around this sanctuary, shoulder to shoulder all the way around, and look inwards, look inside the circle. Yeah, right down here along the front and all the way around. Oh, you can just leave those lights. That's okay. Just don't, yeah, don't kill yourself on these steps. Go ahead and spread out a little bit so we can connect down that wall. I said shoulder to shoulder. You can leave a few inches between each other. Just let's fill in that back circle over there. If that if the back people, can you just slide to your left just a little bit? And fill that area up. Hey, folks, God only took us three years to get a full circle in here. There are some people here today that are facing reports, facing instances, situations, people, job situations, family situations, that God just wants you to be free of all of that. You've had loved ones who are well-meaning, that even have sounded sometimes spiritual, that have locked you into place. But God's getting ready to bring it down. So here's what I want us to do. Some of you are going to have to step out of your comfort zone a little bit. I'll ask everybody to close your eyes just so that you're not embarrassed by anybody standing around you. Now, I've heard how loud some of you can get. But I want us to let out a roar, a shout unto God, a hallelujah, a recommitment. Jesus, it's all about you. I want to connect to you. I want to follow you. I want to be hand in hand with you. Everything in my life is going to revolve around you. And as we do that, I believe that the Holy Ghost is going to walk through this place and begin to break the chains of this religious spirit. In the name of Jesus. 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 There's nothing fancy about this. I'm just going to count to three and let's begin to worship. One, two, three. Let your voices be heard. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, yes, yes. Release it now, God. Release it now, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Nicole. Release it. Yeah, yes, 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 yes. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Let the walls come tumbling down.
let the walls come tumbling down. I break it. I break it. I break it. I break it. I break that spirit. I break that spirit. The religious spirit. I break it. In Jesus' name, all across this place, God, let us operate in liberty. Let us operate in liberty. Let us operate in liberty. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ha. I break it right now. 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 Yeah, 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 yeah. I break it right now. I break it right now. I break it right now. Ha ha. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Ha. By the power of your spirit. Hallelujah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's breaking in somebody. Don't stop now. It's going to feel like you did 100 sit-ups. Go ahead and let it out a little bit. Go ahead and push through just a little bit. Break down the walls just a little bit. Ha! Yes, Jesus! Hallelujah! Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I hear the sound of abundance of rain. The rains of the Holy Spirit are beginning to fall. How the clouds are beginning to break forth. The springs of living water are springing forth right now. Jesus, Jesus, let it be broken right now. Let it be broken right now. Ha, that's it. God, let there be a breaking right now. Let there be a breaking right now. Let there be a breaking right now. Ha, 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 ha. Yes, 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 yes. Jesus. Jesus! Ha ha ha. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Oh.
Yeah. Here's the neat thing. He doesn't just loose the chains. He opens the prison. When Paul and Silas sang praises unto him, the place shook and their chains fell at their feet and the prison doors were open and a new seed was planted in the city of Philippi because the jailer was there. Let me just tell you, when you walk after the Spirit, when you walk after Jesus and you begin to worship, you begin to, I don't see Paul and Silas casting out demons. I don't see them casting out devils. I see them in their chains in the Lord dungeon just worshiping. Just worship! And see what God will shake. Jesus in you. One more time, let's worship him together. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you for all that you've done, for all that you are doing. I thank you, God, for those that are coming that we have not yet seen. I thank you for every heart and every mind, for every family, God, that you've set upon a path, Lord, to walk into this house. And I thank you, God, for the work that you're doing in us, God, so that we can receive them with open arms, and we can grow together, Lord, that they will feel your presence and your love moving through this family, Lord God. I thank you for every family that's going to be restored. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus, for every moment that's coming. Oh, God, we're whole families are going to be restored. We've seen you do it, God. Generation upon generation, God, who knew only one way of life. But, God, you're going to give life abundantly. You're going to give life abundantly in freedom. Oh, I thank you, God. I thank you, God. I thank you for those. Lord, that grew up in church, but that you are giving new revelation. I thank you for the new revelation that you're giving, Pastor, and I. I thank you, God, for fresh anointing, for fresh fire. God, 
God, I thank you for what we are feeling and knowing and receiving in our spirits, Lord God. The knowledge and the clarity that you are delivering, Lord God. Oh God, you are giving new direction to walk, Lord. And we will be faithful to follow. We will be faithful to follow, Lord Jesus. We know that the power is in your name, in your blood, Lord God. And we thank you. We thank you and we love you. We love you, Jesus. We are grateful. We are grateful as a body of believers standing in your name. We are grateful. We are grateful. We thank you, Jesus, and we bless your name, God. We ask you to go with us today. And God, that we will not leave this presence, Lord, that we will not leave this working of your spirit, Lord, but that you would write it on our hearts, Lord, that you would bind it to our spirits, Lord, that we would receive it and hold it close, that we would not let it go, that throughout the week and the weeks to come, that this message, Lord, will just reverberate within our spirits, Lord, that you will recall it to our minds, the power of your word to our minds, Lord Jesus, and that we will walk in it, Lord God. I bless your name and I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Bless your name. Thank you, Jesus. Sorry, I was supposed to close. <laughs> You're dismissed in Jesus' name. <laughs>